Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. So welcome back into all my Safe Space friends. Thanks for sticking with us. I have Jessica States here today, and um, I've met her a few times, and the only way that I could really describe her is like a true embodiment of the divine feminine. Like she just has this really loud positive presence and I mean loud in a very like positive positive way so I was looking through your Facebook before we even got on here and I found a post that your friend wrote about you and I just wanted to read it because I think it sums you up perfectly so Sterling James wrote on April 15th today we celebrate the one the only the glorious golden goddess here Jessica states as she celebrates another successful navigation of the sun Jessica is truly one of my favorite people, a light under the world that spreads happiness, joy, and positive manifestations wherever she goes. I always love crossing paths with her and make it a point to make sure that everyone that I love has a chance to share in the joy of knowing Jessica. Here's to you, you golden goddess. You keep shining bright and keep glowing as we go around the sun one more time. Isn't that just lovely to know that you have friends just speak so highly of you? Yes, I'm... I told you I was going to cry, so we're going to start this crying. Woo! Doing it right. (laughs) Yes. Happy tears. Happy tears. It's overwhelming sometimes, you know? No, I get it. Um, Sometimes I cry, and they are happy tears, but I'm not really a good crier, I guess you could say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning. This is is one of those things that when you said divine feminine, you have to learn to cry. I mean, they do. The vulnerability in it is one of the toughest parts for me, for sure. I mean, feeling safe and just valued and understanding that when you're vulnerable, that you can still be loved even in like your worst, exasperated, dramatic, lioness times. I mean, like, (laughs) I know that like the divine feminine gets a lot of... um, like play on like love and light and embodiment and standing in your power. But there's also like a warrior and a almost like a manic to it that you get when you get to that like high yes. frequency, right? And I mean, I, I can't tell you, like I've scared people, right? Because like I, I love me some love and light, but I, I hold my darkness and that sweet little bear hug that she's always wanted. So um, like I can identify with those sides of you. And I definitely don't think it's talked about enough. Uh, my favorite part about this episode is usually I have a pretty good pre-interview with people where like they'll give me a sneak peek on what we're going to talk about so we can kind of like have a rough outline or at least I remember the stories that I want you to bring up. And right. today, like I am as blind as the audience that's listening. So I might have a little, oh my gosh, no way coming out. And like, I definitely know I'll have questions along the way, but I definitely just want you to... Tell us your story. Start from where you're at, and um, I'll chime in, and I'll try not to chime in too much. Mm. You hit a really, a really big, big thing right there about uh, just as much as the divine feminine is love and light, and you really love staying in that space. There is an equally dark, dark, dark anger, rage pain 
it's always kind of lying right underneath that love and light. And uh, so you learn not to go to people, places, and spaces that are going to push that <laughs> because you know how blinding that rage can come and you don't, I personally do not ever want to release my inner demons or whatever you want to call them, that rage on anyone else because I think it'd be, it's ugly. It's ugly. Um, and I've learned to accept it and express it in different ways. Um, so a lot of times it's squatting and peeing places. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so the feral creature in you. I totally get that. I mean, yes, I grew up, yes, I grew up yes. around like, you know, good old farm town USA. So if you didn't squat in a field, like, are you really from the country? <laughs> right, well, yeah, that's the Kansas princess in me, probably. <laughs> Although I don't know if the princess, I don't know if the princess uh, rules would... I think I might get a little for that. <laughs> no, it's all you right. Know. You get to be whatever you want to be. That's the fun part about this. Right, and it is. And um, you brought up, like, feral, and it's fun to, like, play in these energies, um, sometimes archetypes. Like, um, I think that there are so many people out there looking for love and acceptance. So... And that's kind of going into that they, them, and she, her, and and it's a very, you know, being very open about it. And then also finding the humor in it because as I transverse through a child who is a they, them, and the feelings that come with it, sometimes, I mean, it's a lot, and it's painful for them. And um, so I have to laugh, and I... One of the things I said was, you, like, you can just address me as your highness, you know? Because <laughs> you have to find that, like, fun underneath the pharaoh. Uh, yeah, for sure. And the sure. pain. And the, the balance is, uh, it is attainable, but it is definitely rough in the 3D realm. I will say that. <laughs> I don't speak from a podium at all or a pedestal or whatever you want to call it. Um, cause I definitely struggle with the balance on a daily basis, but I also have given myself a lot of grace just like you have, because it's all a part of your journey. Um, there's a huge misconception that I think when you, you have some sort of any spiritual transformation that like now life's going to be easier and that's bullshit. It's not, I think you actually, like you clear the fog from your third eye and a lot of your own illusions. And then um, you get the gift of seeing through everybody else's illusions and the suffering of the world more. And uh, that leads me to sometimes be uh, socially awkward. <laughs> and I have RBF sometimes too. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's people um, who would meet me and they were just like, uh, she was a dud. Like she didn't talk. She just like, she just stared at everybody in a room. But I also believe I was a dog in a past life. So, like, if I was a golden retriever just sitting in the same room, everybody would love me, you know? So, <laughs> it's it's just, like, take it easy. Like, I can't, I can't always just walk into a room and be like, hi, everybody. Please don't be mean to me because I am a <laughs> severe empath and it will hurt me tremendously. You know, you always got to have, like, your protection up, but... 
again, like going back to the vulnerability, like vulnerability means that you're, you will get hurt, but you have, um, I always think like tips and tricks to like protect yourself and get over it and like learn lessons from it. Yes. Lessons. <laughs> I once said, I wish I hadn't learned so many lessons, but, uh, right closer to me where it's, somebody was looking at, Oh, I wrote the soul contract. What was I thinking? You know, <laughs> Um, I feel that's so hard. I think I, I find a lot of things through studying. Um, I think, is it Ruiz who talks about the five agreements and don't take it personally? I believe um, so. Yeah, I just got the trilogy set up, set of that, I'm pretty sure, and it's on the read list. Yeah. Oh, I'm, the read list. <laughs> I know you yes. know what I'm talking about. I mean, like, you can see, like, not that many of my books, but I started collecting so many books when I was, like, 18, 19, around the time I dropped out of college. I just figured I would go read books and learn what I actually wanted to learn instead of what everybody had been forcing me to learn my whole life and kind of getting over the whole, like, like, I wasn't a straight-A student, right? <laughs> Like, if any of the secretaries at my old school were to hear this episode, they'd be like, you were trouble. You were capital <laughs> T trouble. We loved you, but my goodness, there was a team behind you just rooting you on to get the F out of this high school. Um, but I, I was also just really bored, right? And I, I think when you're bored and you're not challenged, um, it can lead to disassociation and a little bit of rebelliousness. So um, I love my rebel side, just like I love my little manic side, just like I love my love and light side. And you just kind of, you kind of live with it and go through it. So you grew up in Kansas, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Wichita. So what was your, what was your life like before you obviously started doing like energy work and just really opening yourself up to the universe? Like what, I don't want to be like, what type of person were you, but who was that? Who was that? person who was a little girl yeah who was, who was the little girl that grew up in riverside with uh playing kick the can and oh riverside what a magical place the energy it was, was it was amazing um, i still go back there i wanted to move back there but man the price of the houses in riverside for a single woman is yeah it wasn't no I but i did it. find i mean i just recently moved um back to wichita i've lived in Ghana for a while but yeah it was pretty magical i mean there were the darker, there was a darker side as well. I mean, just family trauma and uh, my own, that's when my trauma first started uh, with a cousin sexually abused me, you know, and I didn't tell. I mean, I didn't understand. I, just like, just about everybody else. I didn't tell. I didn't understand. Well, I, there's I, a lot of shame that comes with that. Like, embarrassment, shame. How did it happen? Why did it happen? Could I have prevented it? Will they believe me if I tell them? And then the fact that it's, like, air quotes, family, you're just like, well, this is going to make Christmas awkward for fucking ever. Like, there's just some weird victim state that I wish that would be talked about more so people moving forward knew how to, you know, tell the truth about it. But, like, my heart goes out to you for that because I understand, like, the shame and sexual assault, how you're just, like, even if I report it, like, what what happens then, right? 
Well, and I don't even feel like I was aware of all of that mm-hmm. at that age. Um, I do feel there was a shame in it. Um, if I hadn't, I would have told, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's very interesting to, to, to go back and try to feel what I was feeling at that time. And it's really tough because I've learned a lot. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like that family moved, like, out of state. And things just kind of went back to, like, playing softball, uh, neighborhood kids, bicycle riding, going, you know, going to Sims Park, going to school. Um, my parents kept me involved in sports, which, you know, in some ways I'm very, very happy they did because that taught me teamwork. It taught me um, how to practice, showed me what practice will do for other areas of my life. And there's also another whole deeper, like, understanding how it's evolved to now. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, sports is too much now to me. I mean, I don't don't watch sports anymore, and I feel kind of guilty that I'm like, "Mm -hmm." I'm taking it a whole other level. Yeah, definitely a part of it. Well, I played in schoolyards to begin with, and now they have, I mean, they built the complex as I was growing up, but... um, and then high school was pretty normal. I mean, I got bullied. Um, pretty much had the same probably traumatic times that most teenage girls do with not understanding my worth and, and you know, the self-esteem problems and feeling fat and not feel, I don't know. You know how teenage girls are, and I think we still carry that as, as we go, and we're learning, you know, we're learning uh, yeah, and then I had another strange time. I got into college, and I got pregnant, and that created another whole family situation um, with, uh, I ended up giving that son up for adoption, and uh, How that created you a whole, that? yeah, created a whole hole of grief. Yeah. How old were you, sorry? Um, what's that? How old were you? 20. 20? Okay. Mm-hmm. But that was a whole nother, like, family situation, you know, where I wish things would have been different and communication would have been different and affection would have, you know, like, things wouldn't have happened as they did. But they did, and I learned, and, you know, it kind of sucks because it's kind of that, I feel toxic positivity sometimes and maybe gaslighting myself saying, oh, there was a reason for it. And there was, but it also hurt. If that I think makes anybody sense. in that situation can say that they felt that. Like, how, I mean, it's a part of the process, right? I don't think there's a right to right or wrong. Like, you still had the child and gave it up for adoption. Or, I mean, there's other options that you can do too. And I don't think any of them are bad. I'm a really big my body, my choice. And your choice yes. was to um you know give that baby a better life than what you thought that you could give it and I don't think that's gaslighting like for me and my perspective I think that's noble um especially at 20 I mean you don't know shit at 20 right and then you have a baby like I mean 
yeah, I I a hundred percent believe that anybody in that situation goes through the same thing, and whether you realize like decisions like that, they're gonna stick with you the rest of your life, regardless. Like it's it's gonna be one of those things that like cycle through your mind. But I think that's just a really big lesson on like forgiving yourself for any bad feelings that you could have at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of a lot of feelings that were directed towards family members as well for that time, just a lot of anger. But then I don't, I don't know that that was like the culmination. I feel like the culmination of all of it sent me down a path where, um, I don't know, I was trying to save people, which really I was trying to save myself, I guess. I don't know. I was going to love people healthy. We were going to, we were going to build new world of love together, you know. So those were my relationships, and they ended up being traumatic and abusive. And um, Could you relate any of that to, obviously, like life lessons, karmic cycles, past life trauma, inner child trauma, like all of it interconnects at the end of the day, but it have, does. have you given yourself enough grace to realize that especially like a lot of the repeating habits and relationships are due to a lot of karmic cycles? I have, and I feel like recently I've been learning to let go and it's time to change the karmic patterns because we know we can. Um, It's just a matter of continuing each day and step, and sometimes you find yourself back in the pattern and sometimes you don't. It's like this balance well I've always found that especially with like any new habits like for instance like sitting on your yoga mat and meditating and doing your breath work and the peace and tranquility that can just come over you and those practices and then you're like okay well now I have to go out into the world and you know today I'm gonna walk in peace and you know I'm going to just give everybody unconditional love And then, you know, living in Wichita, you get on Kellogg and the car doesn't merge over for you. And you're just like, come on, you know, like direct experience is definitely our best, our best teacher. But as far as like integrating the version of yourself that you want to be, like you're going to come up on ways that you're that new self has to be tested and that new pathway definitely has to be, um, you know, put to the test just so I don't ramble on forever. But you're speaking, like, I know we have a completely different story, but you're speaking a lot of the things that, um, and like four years ago when I started my transition into being who I truly know I am and want to be, um, I, I, I still come up on shit all the time. And I'm like, oh, this is not who I want to be. This is not how I want to act. <laughs> Affirmations save my ass hardcore now because I've been practicing them. And one of my favorites um, in moments like that, especially where like the ego comes out, like the dark feminine, the like all the sides that you really don't want to portray yourself right. as anymore. I'm like, I'm asserting the mastery of my real self. I am asserting the mastery of my real self. I am a peaceful soul. I have a peaceful mind. Love, 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 just keep going. And I mean, yeah, there's some days where if you want to use the word fail, you can be like, oh, I failed today. But it's just like, no, you had an early attempt at success. And I think that that goes a long way at nurturing not only your conscious, but your subconscious to 
understand like again these are all a part of our path like there's no right and wrong there's no good and bad it's just a part of every part of it but uh I totally get everything you're saying with that you're just like oh I was a bitch to the lady at the grocery store today for no reason <laughs> damn it damn it yes yes or I, I yeah I'm definitely being tested um I still work in the real world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in certain capacities, and yeah, I'm tired. It's exhausting sometimes to continue that. But you do it, and you take a deep breath, and you keep practicing, and you keep practicing, and you keep practicing, or you take a walk. <laughs> I've, I've gotten to the point where I looked at somebody and I said, no, I won't, and you have brought me to a limit that nobody wants to see, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> and I did. Good and everybody you. was like, they left me alone the rest of the day. <laughs> Good for and you. I got my job done. So. I use big customer service words when somebody makes me angry now. I'm like, your behavior is absolutely atrocious, and I will not fall for this. So <laughs> I'm going to give you three seconds to back away from me, or I will not be this nice. Okay? I just set a standard. I'm going to need you to go. One. Two. Usually they're not there at three, and I haven't had to do that for a long time, but I have noticed that I'll get it's kind of like my mom voice now. Right. Like it's a blend of customer service and momming, but like you, I don't want that dark feminine side to come out. Like whether I believe you've wronged me or like even in parts of your healing, you feel justified that you like run into somebody and you're like, oh, I'd love to fuck them up, right? You're yeah. like, no, I actually wouldn't. You know, like the true, authentic, all loving, unconditional love, turn the cheek aspect of me that I'm trying to continuously do like that one doesn't. So I'm going to call you forward right now. You know, and I'm like you just said, I'm going to remove myself from the situation, which is really big, you know, because that that anger is really thick and heavy and it pulls you down and it wants you to stay there. So, again, direct experience, man. Right. Well, and you almost have to remind myself, this person's coming at me from their unhealed aspects and it's pulling. I'm feeling it. I remember that feeling of that unhealed aspect and it's, it's wanting to follow the pattern, which, you know, if we really want to look into that, to that scientifically is the fight or flight, you know, it's the chemicals and our chemicals in our brain. It's, you know, there's all kinds of deeper like nutrition and, neuroplasticity and like all of these yeah, cortisol dumping and all of that yes. fun stuff right dopamine yes. um, our bodies come accustomed to those just and it's even though it's uncomfortable it's like the comfort like of those chemicals i know this this isn't i know this and i've been studying what it is that keeps me where i'm at um and, like, one of those is the fear of the unknown. Well, I know how to be angry. I know how to be mean. <laughs> uh, what's on the other side? And I feel like a lot of people are truly scared because, like, this is called safe space. Because, you know, we're, we're learning to create safe spaces where people can express their feelings and learn to do it in a way that benefits them versus causes more trauma and chaos, I guess. Absolutely. Really 
And especially coming into your vulnerability, like, do you believe in your past experiences that we're going to get into um, that you lived in an over-masculated um, energy just to really protect the feminine part of yourself? Oh, definitely. Um, I was basically a solo parent. I mean, I had my children divorced while I was still pregnant with my son. Well, my child now, but my, you know, my son at the time. Um, Then, like, I went straight to school. I went straight to school. What am I just thinking? Anyway, then I went straight into another relationship, and then I was a solo parent from about 2004 or five on. And so I think I really did have to take on the masculine. And I also kind of feel like, no offense to my former husbands, but because they were addictions that was a result of their trauma that I took on, like, and I wasn't perfect because I had my own problems, and I still feel like I took a a lot of the responsibility, a lot of the even moving forward. So, yeah, a lot of masculine because I had to be both mom and dad. And... It was hard to be vulnerable when the wolves are at the door wanting the power money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sure. very masculine protection, pay the bills, support, provide. So when did you come into, I mean, really nurturing the feminine in you and like having the realization like, I haven't been safe for a long time. Like, I didn't even know that I haven't been safe. Like, I've lived in kind of a fight-or-flight fear state. Um, when did the – I know we're jumping ahead, but when did that that healing process finally have you stand in front of the door of your feminine and you had to just kind of really rather look at this vulnerable but also, like, broken woman that was like, no, don't don't come near me, you know? I've been hurt. I am hurt. I'm broken. Can't be fixed. You know, all the things we have when we first find our feminine. Um, I feel like I'm... She just developed over time through lessons. And um, I was very lucky. I have an aunt who um, practiced Wiccan um, and very much about the goddess and so she introduced us, because I have two sisters, very early. Uh, and, of course, growing up Christian, I, my, I, I don't think my mom minded, but it's, that's another story. But So I think I always knew. I, I attended, like, Day of Goddess gathering in Takanoxie, Kansas, a few, you know, several times. Um, when did I... I actually feel she came online and said, hey, (laughs) probably about 2018 when um, a relationship ended and I realized how much I'd been putting into it and wasn't that he was a bad person or abusive or anything like that. It was just my needs were not getting met. I wasn't able to communicate them. Um, I was on a different, you know, a different spiritual path and so I found my and then empty nest so I found myself alone 
with myself and it was kind of like, oh, okay. There's nobody around. Let's not bring anybody else in because I've got to learn <laughs> about me first because I gave away so many parts of myself throughout the years. Um, so, yeah, about 2018. Still feels really fresh. It is still really fresh, I feel like. It is. There's always been the spiritual path. Um, you know, starting with reading the Celestine Prophecy or even Dan Brown's, um, what was that book? Where they talk, they kind of give you a different perspective on Jesus and Mary and you're like, what? Like, here's, oh, what? There's another the way of thinking about it this? Down. I have the Celestine Prophecy. Um, I've been, it's been on the reading list forever. My friend Esther actually bought it for me. And then I was supposed to read it. And of course, I had so many other books jump ahead of me at the time. And now I have switched that book for a Bhagavad Gita translation from my friend. Mm -hmm. And now she's borrowing it. So I'm like, okay, when that book gets back, like I swear I'll put it up on the list. Because uh, my friend Tegan is like, have you read the book yet? Because we were basically supposed to have a book club together and discuss <laughs> the chapters and, you know, let like let the chapters integrate and add it into... Mm -hmm you know, our, our own story, but what is the Dan Brown book? You're going to have to email me on that. Cause I love different perspectives of Jesus and Mary. It's my, one of my favorite things to look into. The Da Vinci code. Oh, okay. I know that one. Yeah. Right. So remember all yeah. of this mystery around this spy, you know, was yeah, all about yeah, trying yeah. to hide this mystery between Jesus and Mary. And I was like, Oh, what? Yes. Which, I mean, I'm a big believer that they were in some kind of, maybe you don't have to call it like twin flames, but they had some divine working together connection that transcends all of the bullshit that is said about them today. You right. could <laughs> not convince me at this point that, <laughs> like, yeah, she was a whore and he just took pity on her because that's, that's just not the truth. Absolutely not the yeah. truth. Which, fun fact, um, did you know that the story about Mary having, like, nine demons in her and all that wasn't even a true story? It was a sermon that, uh, whatever you want to call him, how, Reverend, you know, there's so many names for him, but he had a Sunday sermon and he was getting ready to run for, like, political office or whatever at the same time that they were writing stories for the Bible. So he's sitting at that, that round table of men. And then, um, like, somebody in the church was like, yeah, we should we should add that in the book. So then, you know, over time, propaganda and indoctrination. Um, I was even raised that, like, that story is factual and actually happened. And then, again, going back to doing your own research, um, I found out it was fucking made up. And then that just leads you further down the rabbit hole of like, where's the book of Enoch? Why aren't we talking about that in America? Where's the book of Thomas? Where are all of the books about the Essenes and, you know, Mother Mary? Like, let's just keep going and keep going and like really just fact check the Bible, which is blasphemy if you talk to, you know, a bunch of people that are just really gung-ho on clinging to that man-made handwritten Bible. But, um, yeah, no. Well, in the way it really, like, there's other stories with different names that are the same exact as the story of Jesus. And 
there's so from much all over parts of the country that were like all the way back like dead sea scrolls so many stories out of india so many stories out of china i mean god we could just take this episode a completely different way right and be like <laughs> wake <laughs> up people read the books read the right books open your mind see what's going on now because i mean a lot of the same propaganda and i mean again to overuse the term indoctrination it's still happening in this day like we're ripping shit out of history books and kids classrooms and putting a bunch of bullshit in kids classrooms these days and parents are even losing control over it which i mean i'm a parent now so i'm terrified um so you really you really have to like for me specifically like my daughter like we do self-love exercises. We talk about self-worth. We, she knows the parts of her body. So like if God forbid anything happened to her, she would know how to address it. And um, I mean, I don't want to like blow her out of the water immediately and be like, we're not going <laughs> to celebrate Santa Claus because you're three. Like I'm going to allow her to have a childhood, but I don't, <clears throat> there's a lot of pitfalls that I would like to um really help her get through so she's not so mind fucked when her illusion melts when she's older because um right. i'm a really big soul contract person probably like you are i believe that we picked each other um i like to obviously say like her earth mother and her life guide and all of that stuff to her and um i know that she came here for her own purpose so it would be messed up for me to write a program for her and then only give her love based on the fact like if i was like I think my daughter should be a lawyer. And she's like, oh, I would I would just like to, I don't know, go do whatever. Like, maybe I want to be a painter. And I'm like, oh, well, now I can only give you spurts of conditional love because you didn't follow my parental program. And I've seen that a lot. And that is what I've seen a lot, especially like in my generation of people growing up. The parents are really like, I need you to be successful so I can talk about you. You know? And breaking away from that, I was lucky to have really loving parents that knew from the beginning that I marched to the beat of my own drum. And I feel like mm -hmm. just hearing a little bit of your story that that's the way that you were. I know that you said you, you know, bullied and picked on and all the issues that girls have growing up. Um, moving forward, like understanding that those were also my issues. I was like, I don't I don't want to pass this on to my daughter. I want her to understand who Jesus was, but I also want her to understand that his name was changed. You know, like, let's get into Yeshua and Yahweh. Like, right. how, you know, how far back are we going to go gradually? You know, because she's growing up with it. And again, like, that's why I think that these children pick souls like us, because whether we do the work before we have them or we do the work while we're having them or after, definitely, that's a part of it, right? No, 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 no. I, I think you're very much on a very good, like, how we as parents are have to teach um, our children differently. Um, you're talking about unconditional love and bullying and children living on their parents' agendas. That is so, I think, damaging in some ways. And like I said, I have the worst... Worst case scenario, you know, I have a child, a daughter who got addicted to drugs, and that kind of lifestyle is just, it, it's inconducive for a relationship, like, as far as trust and stuff, yet I've never, well, I don't say never, um, I've always tried to be aware of the way I treat her and um, what I say 
and being very careful about what I say to her. I mean, I even, I mean, I've gotten her help. I've, I put, you know, remortgage my house to send her to a expensive treatment. And I mean, it just came to the point where I, even that was kind of expecting her not to follow her path, whatever it's going to be, which is very scary for a parent. Um, without having to stop whatever she's doing so that I feel better. Well, how do you cross Um, the line between, or how do you not cross the line between like your new established personal boundaries, a mother's love and wanting to do everything you can for their kids, especially when they're suffering, like no matter what addiction they have, they're suffering on the inside. They're escaping reality for a reason. But when, when do those mm -hmm. boundaries come in to where you realize like, maybe I'm actually enabling you. Like, I want to do everything I can possibly do, but you just said, like, you you refinanced a mortgage to send her to, like, a top-tier addiction specialist, um, assuming that the fall off the wagon is the perfect term after that. But um, mm-hmm. how, in your personal experience, not just, like, the standard across the board, like, did you have a yeah, moment where you're like, point. I'm enabling you, and I love you enough to follow your path, and I need you to know I'm always here, but... These are the things that I won't do for you anymore. It's a very blurry, screaming, crying, begging, curling up in a fetal position, lying, you know, that you just, like you are never truly certain that you're doing the right thing. You're never, like, you're making decisions to something that you don't have answers to. That I mean, there are answers, um, but for, uh, and it's, I think for each person, they're different. I mean, it's all trauma, um, but there's a doctor, um, Gaber Mate, that he, you know, like he says, you know you're dealing with addiction, you know you're dealing with trauma, and you just come to expect what comes with that. And it's really hard to know where to set the boundaries because they don't feel loved, they don't feel accepted, they're afraid of abandonment, they're afraid of rejection, they're, you know, they've been hurt, they've been molested, they've been abused, they've been pushed away, they've been, you know, from very early, the ages, most of them, you know, and were kind of learned to feel that they weren't worth it and nobody wanted them. And it's a very, so it's so tricky to say, oh, I don't want to be around you right now because you're using. Up oh, there's rejection, you know. Yet, at the same time, you're there and you give them money or time or and it's, just overwhelming like energetically well, do you it, think draining. it could obviously be a part of your journey as well to like help them through whatever like it's definitely not one-sided where it's like oh well, this isn't part of my life plan and you're <laughs> inconveniencing my soul contract you know like right. I think again like we pick them they pick us and there's there's journeys that we go on together and we we get to learn lessons even when we think we're helping people, right? Whether you mm-hmm. learn learn what enabling looks like as being the enabler and being the enabled. 
Yes. Being the enabler and being in the enabled. It's, well, and uh, said it just runs so deep. And it, I do believe it attaches to different traumas. And I feel like that's one of the focuses for me is like being, I don't even want to say a role model, but like if I do the steps and I heal and maybe they'll finally go, okay, you know, maybe that connection that I've healed myself will then you know, go out to her. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. But going back to you saying like you understanding, like this is her, this is her life. This is her journey. I can only do so much. And I mean, yeah, it's muddy waters no matter what. Um, my daughter's three and I know like I grew up in a small town and now I'm raising her in a city and it's terrifying to me because like, I don't know, I don't know, um, anybody here as far as like how I grew up where you knew everybody's everybody, you go into the grocery store, the gas station, everybody's cousin, everybody's friend, like all that stuff. So you have an idea of even like the family or kind of their lifestyle of who we hung out with back home. And then I think of sending her to school in a city and I'm just like, oh man, This is terrifying. I mean, she has the opportunity to do whatever she wants, no matter how much we educate her, no matter how much we love her, no matter how much, how, hey, you're safe here, baby. You're safe. You don't have to worry about anything. You can always come to mommy and daddy for anything. But like you, you're experiencing something that I fear my daughter could potentially go through based on suppression of traumas that she could experience along her life, not knowing how to integrate Mm -hmm. those or heal those properly. And yeah, I mean, like my biggest motivation, I mean, just for me doing the work for myself is amazing. And I love every part of it. I love that I want to live and I want to learn and I want to heal every day. Um, but on the days where I don't want to, and I'm like, Oh, maybe it was easier, easier to just to be a fucking sheep. Right. Um, I have her and I look at her and I'm like, there, there's no way that I want to go back to any part of that version of myself or piece of that self because I'm really, really hoping that I can instill some type of inspiration and maybe earlier troubleshooting mechanisms on herself just through my experience. Like my instance right now, which um, she's three, a lot of energy. A lot, a lot of energy all the time. And I still can't keep up. I could juice, meditate, yoga, and she's she's got a lot of it, right? So I don't want her to, like, feel like she's too much, abandonment issues, all that fun stuff. Um, but her attention span on things where she's, like, so lost and just, like, talking and getting her thoughts out and communicating mm-hmm. that I'm like, I'm like, I actually think that, you know, you're three now, so, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we're going to just sit down for five minutes and close our eyes and breathe. And now when you, when I pick you up from daycare, cause you're going to be overstimulated from daycare, we're going to go ahead and we're going to sit down. We're going to start breathing. And I, we just started this this morning. She made it 30 seconds. And then I opened my eyes and she was crawling away going, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, you know, that's, that's me in a three-year-old body too. So I definitely exactly. see a lot of myself in her. And I'm like, I understand that the repetition of it is what's going to help. But already at three years old, I'm noticing if she were in a school system right now, I would be at a teacher 
like a teacher conference and they would probably be like, yeah, maybe you should like medicate your kid. She probably has ADHD or she has this or has this. And I'm not into medicating my kid. I'm into meditating my kid. So she does yoga with me. We're implementing meditation practices for her specifically outside of my own. And it's, it's trial and error. It's trial and error. Who's to say that she meditates with me up until the age of seven or eight. And then like, she's not interested and doesn't want to do it. Cause even though it's a good practice, you still don't want to be the parent that shoves shit down your kid's throat because they have their own about 13. <laughs> yeah, about 13. You know, I can only pray that I'm still her favorite person at that age, but who two girls, two girls in the house. My goodness. I don't know. But, um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Um, it's, hard as a parent. Like, again, I'm just at three and I'm looking ahead going, Oh God, you know, I hope that's not a part of your plan, but if it is, I'm going to love you the whole time, no matter what. And I'm going to meditate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, please, please don't ever lose the meditation, my baby. But yeah, I mean, I can see some rebelliousness in her future. I mean, I was rebellious. I have plenty, plenty of stories I look back on that I've healed from and I understood why I acted that way, whether it was past life trauma that I brought in or like trauma from this life that I was able to heal from. Um, and my friend told me last night, she's like, being a parent isn't for the faint of heart, no matter if your kid's the straight A student and, you know, kind of goes along the traditional path of always following the rules, straight A student, all that stuff. They're still, they're still suffering and a parent as that. I don't want her to miss out on anything, but I always want her to be safe and I always want her to be protected. But I have my own fears in parenting because I'm not raising her in a small town and the familiarity that I have. I'm raising her in a city where, like, am I going to go to jail? <laughs> because, because you said something stupid to my kid or you did something to my kid? I don't know. Stay tuned, you know? Right. Right. I've had, I've had, you know, I've had days like that before. Yes. Um, well, I feel like what you're saying to me and it, I think it's Gabrielle Bernstein's mother, you know, raised her in yoga and then come college, she, she went out on her own and I'm sure her mom was probably like, ah, you know, uh, I think she lived, I, if I remember her story right, she lived the party life. And uh, then she came back to the yoga and the meditation, and now she's writing books and stuff, right? So I looked back at my childhood, and I thought, well, what if I'd been taught yoga and meditation in my younger years, you know, and had learned how to uh, deal with bullies versus running and hiding or, you know, so, I mean, I think as we come more into everybody seeing how much yoga and meditation help, that, yeah, we'll see a lot more kids. They'll still be doing things, but I think it won't be as, as painful, maybe. I mean, we can only hope, right? We're, we can only hope, right? We're, we are all the evolution of our previous generation. Over and over and over. And I know that there's, over a, con and over. there's a conditioning that I, I mean, I idolized my mom my whole life. She was one of the, still one of the hardest working people that I know will just literally, she'll get through anything. I mean, it'll break her heart, but she'll do it. And I remember, especially starting my own healing journey that I was just like, 
there are just things that I don't want people to tell me anymore. And I don't want people to tell me like, oh, you're so strong. Like I'm right. like, I, I am strong, but I'm sensitive. You know, the, the shit that you guys say to me, like actually hurts my feelings. And I don't tell you that because I don't think you give a shit. I, I think that you're also so used to having your feelings hurt from people in your circle, in your family, everywhere that, I mean, moving forward, I really do try to say it in a nice way, but I guess the, the triggering terminology is what I would say. Like I still get triggered easily by people in my inner circle, which is crazy because you go through life and you're like, Oh, like watch out for strangers and watch out for this. And you know, there's all dangers in the world, but at the end of the day, like the people that really do hurt our heart are our friends and our family the most. And it's because of how deep our love goes for them, which truly I I believe is unconditional, but navigating life. I mean, you always just got to sum it up to life lessons at the end of the day, like whether it's good or whether it's bad, but, um, it's tough. It's tough being human. Just like you. I was like, I packed a lot of stuff in this contract. I hope it's my last one. <laughs> like, I hope it's like my senior year. Right. And like, that's why there's an influx of soulmates in my life and just an influx right. of just like really fast lessons and, you know, right. yoga and meditation again have been wonderful for me, but like I found it in 2013 and it became a regular practice on and off. Like sometimes I would treat it like a center going back to church. I would just be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, let, let me go back to the mat. Let me go back to the mat. And then I would, um, I would do it for a couple of weeks and then I'd be like, okay, I'm feeling good. Great. And I would just take that new energy that I had gotten, assuming that since I didn't maintain it, that I could just keep it. And then I, back down to where I was and I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, okay. Like these things are, these things should not be optional in my life. Right. Like these are, these are practices to help me attain the energy level and the frequency that I consistently want to be on. And real life gets in the way, right? Like we can't all be gurus sitting in an awesome temple somewhere, just hiding from the real world. Cause we all have other contracts to fulfill. But, um, yeah, like I said, being human is fun. It is. I keep talking about going back to the cave. Go back to the cave, you know. That old. It is. I, you, you remind me, you like, I don't want to be called strong anymore, but which kind of went under a deeper kind of the underlying, like you said, you don't know what I've been through to be strong or what I'm going through. Because sometimes it, well, one, do we feel safe to share? Second of all, do we want to overburden somebody with how much is going on? And it just reminded me of a, um, so there's a women's group in Wichita that just started, and it reminds me of some, one of the women was talking about her um, body journey, the journey with her body, and how she would eat, like, the peel of an apple, in the morning and then the rest of the apple in the afternoon and then maybe like a small stack snack and go run six miles just to have the body that she had. Right. And people would be like, you look so beautiful. You know, you, and she's like, really, I'm killing myself to look this way. Like I am dying because I'm not getting the nutrition I need just so that I can look this way. So people can tell me you're beautiful, you know, so kind of the same way with strong, it's like, you don't understand what's 
going on behind the scenes that are making me this strong. And yes, it it is a, it is a good it is a compliment in some ways because being strong gets you a lot of places. Um, and it also I've been kind of learning everything has the two sides, you know, but it also has the right under the surface is what's pushing that strength. And sometimes you just feel exhausted. Like I've been lifting weights for 20 years now. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to be strong. Yeah. I don't want to be strong anymore. I want to be soft and vulnerable. Yeah. I want to be, yeah, I want to rest. Be... When I was just thinking, Prior to getting on this uh, call, I was thinking about that, about vulnerability and wanting to be soft and wanting to be safe and wanting to just feel like I could lay my head on somebody's shoulder, you know, and they would understand. And it's, and I think they're out there, um, but it's back to the protection, back to always protecting myself from you know, the other shoot that's going to drop or so learning, learning safe spaces, learning what it feels like to be with safe people. Well, and especially listening to your own intuition about it too. I've had some hard lessons mm -hmm. just who like probably in the last six to eight months that, um, they were scenarios that I mean, had been played out in my nightmares and I, I denied my intuition a lot of the time and a lot of the relationships that I were in. And these are just friendships, right? And um, I, I love like my friends. I do love strangers. I do love humanity as a whole. And I, I feel myself going back to like the gullible childlike state that I was before like the world got me. And um, again, like being vulnerable, right? So vulnerable, you can leave yourself open to people taking advantage of you. Um, and it was, it was the first time in like a long time that I'd really felt heartbreak, like true heartbreak. Like I, the last time I had heartbreak was probably like a boy, right? But I had never really had like a friend, like take my heart in their hand and crush it in front of my face. And then portray mm -hmm. it to me that I had deserved what they had done to me, like any mm -hmm. step of the way. And I, you know, I sat with myself and I cried and I journaled and I did yoga. And I, I really tried to get out of that dark pit that I felt that they had really put me in because I was just like, I'll never to this day understand why you did what you did. And I, I went back through the last however many years of our friendship and I think of how I loved you and I supported you and I gave up so much of my time and my energy and my finances. And I, I did so much that I, I was like, oh my God, my heart's broken. Like my friend, mm -hmm. the, this person that I thought was my friend broke my heart. And like you, mm -hmm. I'm like, again, they're reacting from their own trauma, their own, whatever they're going through. And I know at the end of the day, like no matter how much I loved her, um, it was never going to fill the void in her heart where she didn't love herself. She could have, I mean, she inspired me in so many different ways, but I also think about it to like 
kind of like the first love story where you date this boy and you want to be with him forever and then the relationship goes on and your relationship ends because he turns abusive and Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so like it's just like well like I learned a lot from you you inspired me a lot but how you decided to end everything um truly kind of traumatic on my end I'll do my own healing no blame no victim mindset here but you kind of killed the magic you know you didn't have to be that way and I think there'll always be a part of me that like wonders why it had to happen that way but hindsight's 2020 I have so much gratitude that that contract is ended null and void (laughs) and I don't have to move forward with any part of that energy in my life And it reminds me of like a quote that Elon Musk's mom said to him one time. And um, she said, you never really want like jealous people in your life because while you're busy looking at them like friends and family, they're looking at you as competition. And when I read that, there was just a resonance with it that I, I really had to go ahead and accept that Again, no matter how much I supported her and was still trying to find my voice and shine and talk and, you know, live my purpose, I was just like, I truly didn't want this to end. And I certainly didn't want it to end the way that it did, but it happened. I moved through it. I survived. I am so much better on the other side. And I really felt like I released a lot of attachments that were holding me back from the next step in my evolution. Um, It just sucks that it had to be that person because again, like I was 31 when I felt heartbreak again and I was like, I Mm -hmm. actually forgot what a broken heart felt like. I didn't know that I would feel this way again. I, I thought that I had audited and I had listened to my intuition, but uh, my toxic trait is um, I love you so much that sometimes I'll deny my intuition because I love you so much and I'll, I'll see that light in you over and over and I'll see that potentiality and that's kind of like the double-edged sword for me and I've been better after this incident with um, auditing more and just really protecting myself and protecting my space and not necessarily saying that I'll never let anybody that close again because it's not like she was my only friend but I think that um, heartbreak and friendships are something that are supremely overlooked because so many people are talking about losing a boyfriend, losing a girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. But there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to say about how you protect yourself and move forward from heartbreak with someone who, you know, is always like a friendship phone call away. And, um, they were always like your little pep squad. And then one day you find out that maybe not all that is, is pure and beautiful as you thought it was. But again, life lesson, right? Yeah, I find also that like as we grow as individuals, as we grow spiritually, as we grow, um, sometimes people that we have had in our life for so long, it, it, it hurts. And you know that that's an attachment that's no longer serving you. It's like actually hurting you. Um, and there is a grief process. I feel like oh, for following sure. it. Yeah. So yeah, there's, I, I mean, I've had to end some friendships. Um, and it was hard because I felt like I was being judgmental. I felt like I was being 
mean. I felt like I was being overbearing. I felt like I was being egotistical, selfish. Um, I mean, I, I beat myself up. I also knew that when I was around, and it's not, it wasn't, I find this, I use this more now in my life that it kind of came to this understanding is that I would feel drained. I would just feel so tired after spending time with them. I would feel just wiped out. Like, I felt the same and, way, especially towards the end. I didn't react on it though, right? But you have the <laughs> you have the notice and the awareness. You're like, I love you so much, but every time I leave you, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> Well, and, and maybe that's just the clairvoyance that we were talking about earlier. Maybe that's the empathic, we've, we have felt that way. So we know the feelings. We don't ever want anybody to hurt. We, you know, we want people to feel good. And then again, same with children, with friends, they're on their path. So yeah, it's, I mean, being human is sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely Sometimes. would be a cool spiritual badge when we elevate to our next state. So right. um, I could talk about this all day, but when you brought up clairvoyance, let's go ahead and head over to your Claire senses story. Because um, yeah. my favorite is people beginning to understand that one, we all have Claire senses, just like you have like touch, taste, smell, da da da, those five things. Um, you have like five. Claired spiritual senses that match them and they are suppressed in everybody. However, you want to translate it to, you know, activating the chakra system, Kundalini energy, blocking of third eye. Like there's always a beginner format where things have happened to you your whole life, whether you have like a, a constant knowing or ringing in your ears or, Hey, maybe I saw a ghost. Maybe I didn't like stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like again, like that third eye, like flashes at you. And to speak in chakra terms, like that crown chakra opens to where you're aligned with your divine communication. But what were your first experiences with, especially coming from a Christian background? Um, what were those experiences to where, they happened, you were questioning, you opened up to it, and you were able to break away with, for me, a massive amount of self-induced cognitive dissonance. But um, what happened to you the first time for you to understand that clairvoyance and energy work was a pathway that you're going to, but I'm rambling. <laughs> when did you notice your clair senses? Well, what's funny is that I remember being uh, at a Girl Scout camp, and it was an overnight. And so, you know, there are different Girl Scouts around from different troops. And we're at the campfire, and somebody, one of the Girl Scouts next to me, pointed out a girl across the fire, and she said, she has ESP. And I'm like, what's ESP? And she tells me that there was like a earthquake, and this young lady, this other uh, young girl had been outside, like, digging, trying to dig people out, right? And so they found out, that, and it, I was like, wow. And I thought that was really special that only she could have it. Um, and, I mean, I worked with 
I had friends that read tarot through, I have a very, um, Afro magic. She's out of Washington, DC. She's a tarot reader and a clairvoyant. I mean, she's just, she's amazing. Her, her story. Whew. Um, and so I got to grow up with her and, uh, taught me, you know, like, I remember she was staying the night with me and she said, see that shadowy figure? And I was like, Ooh. and I think I kept suppressing those back down because even in my job as a mental health nurse, I mean, they see this as mental health issues, like if Absolutely. you're saying. And so I'm, I think I'm still kind of on this, like, is it a mental health issue or what's going on here? Yeah. Is it a psychosis? Right? Do I just need to go get a pill and talk to a, a behavioral specialist? So I remember, though, when I got pregnant the first time at 20, I remember after the intercourse, I was like, I was driving home and I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I mean, I had this fear and it came true. And I was like, uh, that was weird. Um, but then I suppressed it again because. You know, who, who does that? Nobody I know does that. Well, my friend in Washington, D.C., but she's in Washington, D.C. We don't have a lot of contact. So she got out of Kansas for a reason. <laughs> so um, I still question, like, one time I went to Florida, and I was on vacation, and it was very emotional, and there was a flood in Kansas. It flooded my house, and I was like, my emotions like flood my house like is this and then I was really angry one time and I had a house fired and I was like uh what is going on here I mean like like I've been angry before and acted out and now like I had like I'm never gonna act out on my anger again but then I have a house fire I'm like whoa wait a minute um and then um before oh before the house fire and the flood at my house. I had been involved in, in a long-distance relationship. Um, I really thought we were soulmates, you know, like, and we were, but it ended, and that was tragic. I mean, like, I thought this was happily ever after. I thought this was the fairy tale. I thought this was going to, like, tiptoe through the tulips the rest of our lives, and something tragic happened that really, like, traumatized him and being long distance, it was so difficult to be able to be there to support and communicate and understand his anger and like be there for him. And so I went and visited him and he did triathlons. And so uh, he was participating in this triathlon and he'd been training with his neighbor and she was married. She had kids, she had a husband, you know, I didn't have any, I wasn't scared or anything until she ran that race too. And when it was done, he's like, well, I want to see how so-and-so did. And I was like, okay. You know, I just still like, why wouldn't he? They're friends. He has lots of female friends. There's nothing. And then I, I can't say that anything necessarily happened. It wasn't like, it was just like, I could see this something happening I wasn't there. Does that make sense? I, the energy, I guess. And I was just like, oh. And then when we, when he finally like said, I can't do the, I can't do the long distance anymore. Um, 
Do you don't like, are you identifying with like the energy being pulled away from you? Is that what you're talking about? Like, it's not like it's happening now, but you kind of get like a precognizance of what's to come. And then you're like, oh, I am, I, am I living out of fear? Is this actually going to happen? And then when it actually happens, you're like, oh, I remember two weeks ago when I, like, I just felt this, this message I felt it more like ether. I see something between them. I just yeah. saw something between them, mm-hmm. you know? That makes and sense. And I'm sure, like, over the time that they were, I, I don't have any doubt that he was faithful, Um I do feel like over the time that I'm in Kansas, he's there, he's going through all of this grief. You know, we're trying to maintain this relationship and he's living his life in Florida, you know, and he's training with a neighbor. Yes, she was married, you know, so I don't think they ever necessarily crossed any boundaries. I do feel like there was an attraction in, um, an emotional bond. An emotional bond forming. So, you know, you always talk about people like, well, I didn't touch her. The man says, I didn't touch her. The woman says, I didn't touch her. And it's like, well, there's still the emotional bond, and that's just as... So I think I witnessed the emotional kind of bond and was like, oh, you know, I, I still didn't... I guess I saw it, but I didn't know what to do with it. I still saw him as being faithful and we were trying to work this out and then, you know, it ended. So it was very interesting. It was like, like, what's that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What's what this am I, what am I seeing? Feeling? So, so then how did you start your journey into doing energy work? Cause now you do energy work. I met you. Well, I met you at abundance crystals. I was selling with my company um, this is where I want to be. And you were doing energy work there. And then I met up with you again at Psyche and Soul for a healers event where you're also doing energy work. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to step up and read tarot that night for a few hours. So what mm-hmm. what's your journey into energy work? And how did you identify that it was really a part of your path? Um, gosh, that probably starts, again, it's been a journey of, like, first being introduced to it, like, the secret, and what the bleep do we know, and, um, it even mentions it in the book that I mentioned before, The Celestine Prophecy, like, the auras of plants, and the energy between people, and, um, and then, uh, because of being a nurse, I went into like, you can heal your life and energy healing and tapping and I just was looking at creator realities and as long as, yeah. And, um, I actually went to a, I believe it was 2011. I went and had, um, I was tuned into Reiki one. What I found though is that it was a Saturday. It was a I don't remember how many hours, and then I was open to Reiki and let go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, hmm. Now I understand what happened. <laughs> you know. Um. And so here I am running around, the tune to Reiki, open, not really understanding what I just 
over my and uh, watching how manifesting worked. I mean, physically, also through healing myself um, and learning to trust it again. Going back to that, is this just crazy? Am I like, do I have mental illness? What is going on here? To really step in and accepting, hey, there's there's multiple like infinite possibilities around the universe. So why not this? Why isn't you know why wouldn't this be true? Um, then I stayed with Jennifer at Psyche and Soul um, for a year. And then I feel like I'm just trying to find exactly where I'm supposed to be now, <laughs> you know? That makes total sense. I'm actually studying with Jennifer right now. Um, I have a four-month yeah. course. And, like, I'll tell people, like, yeah, I'm studying Reiki. And I think just to see, like, what their face is, whether they even know what it is. And if you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's energy work, then you can kind of see, like, where their beliefs stop. They're like, oh, okay. You know, because it really is, like spirituality as a whole is a saturated market but reiki is a supremely saturated market and um i've always enjoyed sitting in front of multiple practitioners Mm -hmm. going and seeing multiple practitioners learning from so many people and then really taking what's for me and then um setting the rest down and realizing you know not everything they say is for you specifically but there is something in the lesson plan And so like she does like soul journeying, um, quantum, it's not quantum touch by any means. Cause I definitely plan on taking that too down the road. But, um, I mean, just to keep it like super grounded for any like beginner, like for me, I always had to bridge the spirit and science of it. Uh, I really struggled as much as I wanted to believe all the spirit immediately. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I needed, I needed some like kind of science behind it. And I know that there was a faith in it through it all because I had been exposed to just like paranormal activity growing up. And when I looked at, uh, like the visual, visual light spectrum and what we can actually see with our human eyes and what's actually out there and hearing the quote that like, we can only see like 2% of our reality and like, even like say if we could put these glasses on that show us just like the bacteria that's all all over you know that's like thriving and keeping the earth going like we would all be disgusted right because you're like oh I have a clean house but it's like oh well with your human eyes it looks clean based on this perspective you know and you kind of grow you grow from the visual light spectrum you grow from the belief in not ghosts necessarily being so far away and up in spirit but it's considered the fourth dimension where like not only ghosts, but like reapers and all of these other different entities that we think of more as like horror fantasy characters. Right. Um, and then when you really want to go down the rabbit hole, you get into, um, dimensions and extraterrestrials and, um, for the timelines and (laughs) yeah, timelines and quantum leaping and like true, like at the end of it, like you truly understand, you know, it really is the choices that you make every day. And I mean, one of the dramatic things then is, is just like, um, like I had, I had a friend pass away when we were younger because he went to a party and he drank and he decided to drive home because like you're on the country roads. Right. And, um, he didn't make it home. And, um, 
I mean, I guess you could say it was a factor of distracted driving and drunk driving, but you always have to wonder like, what if he didn't drink that night? What if he just went to the party and drank water? Like, would he have hit a deer and overcorrected and still died? Like, there's so many, there's so many choices that we can make in our everyday life where you can go out on a Tuesday with your friends, you don't drink and you come home and maybe somebody else who decided to drink and drive that night smashes under your car and you get severely hurt or you die. You know what I'm saying? So when I study this, especially because I came from a Christian background as well, my goal wasn't to disprove God and disprove that Jesus didn't exist and disprove religion as a whole. It was for me to understand um, what, like, what we're all doing here, trying to make sure that when you go down the rabbit hole and like dark night of the soul, so to speak, that you don't get stuck in the fact that you feel like it's all meaningless because I don't think it's meaningless. I just think that's a part of the process is understanding like your ego has to evolve so far. And then when it does, like that's kind of when you're stuck, come complacent and mundane and you're in that rut. And I think that's the spirit tapping on you and being like, there's more out here, but you're going to have to open up. Like you're going to have to do your research and understand. So I know that a lot of the classes and research that I've done over however many years, I don't have a count on it. Um, it's brought me closer to God, but I'm comfortable with calling God so many other things. And I don't necessarily think it's a man up in the sky that's going to judge the shit out of me when I die. I'm open to a lot of Dolores Cannon's work. Um, I'm open to all of her hypnosis with the theta brainwave states and understanding past life trauma and karma and how to really like accelerate the soul evolution and ascension. Um, and a lot of the things that I, I believe are from my own direct experiences in my life. So like having this platform be not only a safe space for the guests, but it's also a safe space, safe space for me as the host, because I'm just now coming around to a lot of my own truths that I experienced and coming into a lot of the gifts that I didn't know I had, but I also wasn't educated enough on them. And trust me, like I just spent some time with my family that is not open to any sort of energy work or anything at all. And I mean, I'm sure by the end of the night, they were probably just like, oh, we're going to pray for her. She's so lost. And, you know, like to each their own, right? Like I'm so used to people praying for me, keep it coming. Um, but there's a freedom in the research and there's a freedom in the resonance, resonance of what you find for yourself. And Reiki one, great, do it, keep going, keep evolving, but don't feel like just because you just took Reiki one that you're going to go and be like a supreme master and understand how all the energies and stuff work. Cause yeah, you, you are opening yourself up to, um, a lot of things that you don't understand from a human perspective, but I think that's where I was talking about earlier, like yoga and meditation should not be optional in my life with the fact that I do energy work. I, I do Oracle readings. I do tarot readings. I have, um, a whole, whole collection of divination and crystals that I use in the routines that I do. And just recently, especially cause this is my first like certified class. Um, I actually had a psychic when I was 21 in new Orleans tell me mm -hmm. that I was going to be, um, a supremely powerful Reiki master in in a couple decades is all she could say. And I was like, I don't even know what Reiki is. Like, you know, it was kind of like a novelty thing. Like, right, you're out of town. Let me go here. Let me check out what the psychic says. I'm a little lost because I'm 21. Um, 
and I all, you get away from the event horizon. It stores somewhere in your brain. I like to say it's in the Akashic and these things come back to you and they really do like validate your, not only connection with humanity, but your connection with the divine. So like the light worker terminology that people like to use, light carrier, light worker, whatever you identify as, I think it's one of the hardest roles to do because you're evolving rapidly in front of all of your loved ones' faces. And it's kind of like the diet thing where you're two, three, four, five, six weeks into your diet. You're seeing the changes. The weight hasn't really dropped off yet. You're still doing the diet stuff. And mm-hmm. um, like through learning, you obviously like want to educate your loved ones. And then um, nobody gives a shit. But then six months to a year later, you drop all that weight and you're looking really good. And now everybody wants to pipe in and be like, what are you doing? Oh, you look so good. You're so happy. You're so healthy. You're so vibrant. Like, what what are you doing? And you're like, oh, well, I mean, I practice energy work and I practice yoga and self-awareness and self-love and meditation. And, you know, I'm really I'm really into quantum quantum touch and you know, all these terminologies that maybe they're hearing about for the first time, but there's kind of a, um, like an isolating factor to being an energy worker, even though there's a big community in Wichita that I'm very happy to be connected with, but still like, I can't tell you how many times I've done Reiki on my husband and he's just been like transformed afterwards, but he's like, what the fuck just happened to me? He's like, I feel amazing, but I don't get it. You know, and I'll break it down. I'm like, there's meridian lines in your body. There's chakras. They blocks, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And I'll kind of go through it. And he's like, okay, okay. Like, yeah. And he's like, he's fine with just being like, I just feel better. That's great. But again, like there's a loneliness aspect to it too. Because you have like your community of people that you raise your vibration. We all kind of attract our high vibe tribe. But there's a mourning process of your old self and your old friends and your old life that you have to really release a lot of attachment is what I found. And I don't enjoy any part of letting anybody go because, um, I mean, personally, I don't want to come back to earth, right? I'm really, again, hoping this is my senior year. But um, since understanding just like how precious life is, I really think deeper and do a, a lot of moments that I didn't used to think so deeply in. And I'm like, Oh, we'll never have this moment again. Uh, you know, right. and it's just like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't think that deep, but I've kind of always been a deep person anyways. And the more that I study energy and go into it, it's so powerful. And I realized like all of these energies are around us all the time. I don't know if you thought this, but this is probably one of the reasons that I just shut up and went ahead and started doing the certification with her. It's already going through your body anyways, especially if you're a person who knows you're an empath or doesn't know you're an empath and struggles hardcore in in the work environment or wherever you're at. It's already going through you, so why wouldn't you educate yourself on it, right? Because if the energy was physically there all the time, I mean, one, would be going really crazy, but two, like, why does it have to be physical for us to actually believe it's there? Isn't that what faith is about, is we're in common sense or you know scientific fast like runs out you're just like faith is going to run further than that maybe just my two cents but yeah it just makes me uh, I don't know another long probably could still go into a rabbit hole with this but like you said faith it's I know I do a lot of assessments um 
on people with pretty severe mental illness. But one of the things I ask is, do you have a faith? And some of them are like, no. And it's like most of them either say they're Christian and not practicing, they don't, they don't do anything with it, or no, they don't have any faith at all. And I'm like, whoa. Like, this is, like, scientifically, look at these numbers. Like, none of these people have faith, and here they are depressed, anxious, um, hurt, traumatized. Well, of course they don't have any faith or any trust. They've been traumatized. Now, how do we, how do we teach them, you know, the yoga, the meditation? And Because, I mean, that's what works. And, but I can tell you, when I say, have you tried meditation today? Most of them are like, oh, I tried that doesn't work can't well, sit down can't do it sorry nope i have yeah, my no. brain goes everywhere can't do it right and well and even this morning i did a small um practice and that was it when you first start meditating that's the whole thing your brain is going to be and so it's kind of this double-edged sword you've got to get through that to actually start feeling the benefits of meditation and most people don't want to sit with that which makes perfect sense they're so used to being traumatized and distracting well, themselves. themselves right like the people that just keep moving 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 either always have something to do or always need something to do even on their downtime um like yeah sit down and face yourself right which i know a lot of people are running away from past versions of yourself but those are definitely just going to chase you in this life and in the next whatever you believe um, yoga and meditation are super important for both of us, but, um, like I just recently submitted an article for a magazine that's coming out in January. And mm -hmm. I, I basically wrote a couple pages on self-love 101 from my perspective, um, um, because I had yoga and I dabbled in meditation the last several years, but it really didn't matter when I got up off my mat and I looked in the mirror and I was mean to myself and, um, I call it like the rose quartz phase of my life where somebody handed me rose quartz and they were just like, Hey, this is for like unconditional love and all of these other properties that you can use this for. But you know, mm -hmm. if you beat yourself up, you're doing yourself a disservice because again, like you're, you're still seeking outside validation for people to fill your cup. So filling your cup is not only just filling it up with the right things, but getting all the wrong things out of it. You know, and if there's a crack in it, go ahead and fill it up with gold. You know, don't throw it up. Right. Like, piece your cup up and keep going. I think it's Kintsugi. I think I pronounced yeah, I it wrong. Kintsugi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can see it, but I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's okay. I struggle with pronunciations, as I talked about earlier. Like, please don't let me get your name wrong. Um, But, yeah, self-love is a big thing that I try to mention on every episode um, just to like reinforce it in everybody's brain or even just give them an awareness. Like if they listen to an episode and they happen to go and look in the mirror, maybe they don't even realize that they are mean to themselves. And like, I'm my biggest fan. I'm my biggest cheerleader and I'm a biggest supporter, but I haven't always been, you know, this is, I bet I'm on like year four of my personal evolution, spiritual awakening, Akashic remembering, whatever you want to call it. And it's still an everyday practice. It's still, um, research that I do and I look for other people that aren't necessarily like further along in it but they're more experienced at it and I'm like well what do they do when times get tough or mm -hmm. you know like do I need to up my game on my affirmations or anything like that but I think it's super important to say that if 
if you're still being an ass to yourself after meditation, you should probably look into self-love first because that's, that's the illumination in my opinion. I mean, it's not going to get you fully ascended, but I think when you love yourself, you love humanity, you open yourself up to the collective and you walk through your life with a lot more compassion and patience. And that's what I've found is I had a lot of trials and tribulations where I wasn't compassionate and I wasn't patient. I was supremely jaded in my dark empathic personality yeah. was like off the charts. You know, I'd, I'd rip your heart out and eat a cheeseburger at the same time and just look at you like you deserved it. Um, just being candid, right? Like super, super vulnerable with who I used to be, but now like, I don't want to do that. And I really like, like you, I, I want to always work for the light and help people and, um, within my own energy output and respecting my boundaries. Like I do want to be that safe space and that shoulder to cry on. And with realizing that you want to be a safe space, you're going to have to audit the times where you weren't a safe space. And that was really hard for me to look at too, is, you know, I, I poisoned some of my loved ones and I'm not proud of it, mm -hmm. but it happened. And I forgive myself. And for those that I could go back and apologize to, I did. And for those that, you right. know, will never let me back in, I send you love through the ether and, you know, self-love will teach you. That's the best thing that I could say. Yeah, oh, the mirror. Um, there, I took a class, and I was going to help teach it. Um, like, I've been through multiple coaching. I've got two coaching certificates. Took a year long of corporate coaching. Ooh, I'm not corporate. <laughs> I get not that. at all. That was that was a little difficult, but it did have a lot of pot, like a lot of sociology. It did have a lot of like scientific stuff in there that really helped. But yeah. I, learned it was like a oh, corporate coaching um i took what i needed and ran with it um what was i gonna go uh, i began um i had a friend who wrote a class called face a mirror and she she travels around in an rv just having the time of her life uh holding classes teaching uh teaching people how to tap into their clairvoyance, their, you know, she, she's a teacher. And uh, so she had a class called Face the Mirror. So that was, that was interesting. And even to think about how many times you pass the mirror and not look at it. Because you don't want to look at it. Because you don't want to look at yourself. Because you know you're going to be mean, <laughs> you know. Because you know your eyes are going to be, you're going to have bags under your eyes. And you, they're going to be dark. And, you, you know, your hair's a mess. And, it's like, I don't want to look in the mirror right now. <laughs> but there's also, like you said, there's, once you get past that and you just really look at it and go, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, you're exhausted. Like, instead of, like, you look so ugly with those bags, it's like, oh, honey, you look so exhausted. What do you need to do for yourself, you know? And then, oh, I could put a little cream under my eyes. And I know that's saying, but seriously, just a little cream cooling, like, I'm not trying to hide wrinkles or anything. I'm just trying to make myself, I'm just trying to be affectionate and take care of myself. Like, so yeah, or a hot bath. Like, no bubble bath's not going to, to solve all my problems. But I will tell you, I don't know how many hot baths, bubble baths, bubble baths with rose petals, bubble baths with oils, bubble baths with, you know, no bubbles, Epsom salts. This, I'm taking a lot of hot baths. <laughs> 
<laughs> you and me both. Um, because I do feel like they're, <laughs> I do feel like they're beneficial. Are they going to save me? No. Like, are they, is that the only thing to do? No. But like you said, I come to a point in my meditation though. Like I just did an hour and a half meditation with Cher uh, through Breath Yoga the other night. And I did a two-hour one a couple weeks ago. Like, I walk out feeling like I've been to another realm. I've been in a whole different universe. I'm relaxed. I feel like I'm floating. And I just feel really good. But then there's also that kind of like, now I want to go do things. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm going to go live my purpose. I just got cleared out, which I took a kundalini yoga class from him. And um, I thoroughly enjoy his energy thoroughly thoroughly enjoy his energy and after I left the class too um I added some of the tips and tricks that I got from the class in and I always look forward like there's so many people that I want to support even in the Wichita market not even including like my gosh the world right um but just centering it into Wichita he's not the only yoga studio that I've gone to and want to support it's definitely harder for me with Monroe because I don't really want to pay a class fee and a babysitter to go in so I know that there's, there's a years ahead in my time where I'll be able to enter the studios more frequently. Um, but leaving like those places are like shelters for me. Like talk about a safe space, just go in, you're safe here. We're going to breathe together, close your Mm -hmm. eyes. Um, my favorite reverting back to energy work is probably the things that I've been able to see with my third eye for people during their sessions. And, um, I decided to like, if you like book Mm -hmm. an hour session with me, um, I'll do depending on like what we're going to do, I'll do like 30 minutes of like an attunement, so to speak. And then I have 15 minutes of an integration Mm -hmm. machine that I put you on. And then we have 15 minutes of talking and you'll actually leave with a post-it of what I saw and what you saw. And things that I've personally used that um, I'm going to recommend. And if you want to take them and use them, that's great for you. If they're not for you, like put them down. Um, Not everything I do is for everybody, right? But that's really helped me validate a lot of like the third eye visions and really trusting the energy that comes through you. Um, One of the last ones that I had... Um, I rented the room out at Psyche and Soul, the one that they have set up for you to come in and work out of, which is great because you just bring your own crystals and the bed's already set up for you and the room is like perfect. And um, Where's that at? At Psyche and Soul. You can rent. Okay. You can rent which rent room, room did you rent? Uh, it's a, just a ready-to-go room for energy work, massage, whatever you want to do for like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. 20 bucks an hour is what you rent it for. Yeah. yeah. But it's all ready to go. Bluetooth speaker, lighting say anything you need to set up your space and your protection. Um, and I was in the middle of just checking things with a pendulum. I wasn't opening and closing chakras cause that's not what I dabble in. I just check everything and really talk, talk you through how to go back into yourself. Right. And, um, I called on my protection spirit guides. I work a lot with like Archangel Michael and Jesus and Mary. And, um, there was one point I was over crown chakra and one of her guides said, um, yeah, can you just go ahead and stand over there on that rug and just start praying? They're like, all we need you to do is hold the space right now. We're actually going to come in. And when my eyes were open, like the clear audience comes through and I was like, 
okay, this is totally happening. Like, I'm just, I'm going to believe this. This isn't the first time it's happened, but it's still, mm-hmm. it's still like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. So like I went over and put my praying hands in and put my orb of protection around me, her in the room. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I saw all of her guides step in and they were like just lights shooting off the table. And it was a, it was an experience for me as a practitioner because I had never seen it so vivid before, like in my third eye, Mm -hmm. I've done stuff at my house and I've seen like mild flashes. And then, um, as I'm standing there praying and doing the mantras and everything that I need to do to hold space, um, a turtle started Mm -hmm. walking around the massage table and then a horse was standing in the corner and then a bunch of extraterrestrials started walking out of the corner of the room, like as her like spirit team. And, um, I was like, I just kept praying and kept doing the mantras and I was like, okay, this is great. So the 15 minutes afterwards is to see like what they saw and what I saw and see if it mm-hmm. not only validates each other's experience, but just kind of helps us along the way. And she lifted her head off the table and I said, Um, I don't want to go first because I don't want to like plant things in your head that you thought you Mm -hmm. saw while you were on the table. Right. So I said, I want you to tell me where you went as soon as you closed your eyes and you relaxed. And she's like, dude, she's like, I was like out in the galaxy. She's like, I I just, I just kept going and going and going. And I was like, that's great. Cause that's exactly what I saw. I felt like I was in a galaxy photo that just kept going. And, um, I said, did you, did you see any spirit animals? Did you see any guides? Did anybody come in? Um, cause I'll place these white calcite by their ears. And every mm-hmm. time I do, they say, um, their ears will ring and you'll be able to tell how open around like that throat chakra and that crown chakra is like some people mm-hmm. are like, man, I heard a lot of ringing in my ear and I'm like, that's great. Your channel is opening up more. And then someone's right. like, I heard faint ringing. I didn't know if I was actually hearing it or I wanted to hear it. And I'm like, well, I was told that you would hear it, but it's going to be based on your channel. So, um, again, a lot of the things I do, like, I really understand that my bottle, my bottle, my body is a vessel for them to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever want to say like, I'm a beginner cause I have been doing this and researching it for a while, but the continued education in it and how every experience is, is different. Like not everybody needs the same oils. Not everybody needs the same place touched on their body. And like, right. it can't be the same routine every time. And I know, exactly. like, say if I was like a massage therapist, I would have like a Swedish, Swedish massage routine. And I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing every time. It's just, here's your hour of a Swedish massage, like do it and go. But these, um, are very, go ahead. I was just going to say that I had a friend who went to massage school and we took, uh, we actually took Reiki together and uh, she did. She told me that, you know, it's a routine. And I was like, I am, I, uh, I hate your team. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess in massage, like you can, and that's established that way. But from my personal experience with Reiki, everybody, everybody I have worked with, everybody needs different oils. They need different crystals. They need different music. I, I work specifically with music. Um, just like I pick it for the podcast episodes right before the episode. It's never really pre-planned. I sit there, I link my phone up and you know, I talk to God, I talk to Jesus, I talk to Mary, I talk to my guides, I really protect my space. And I'm like, you know, what do they need? Right? Because this isn't about me 
being all egotistical, like, I'm going <coughs> to heal you today. I'm like, hey, uh, some energies that we still have limited knowledge on are going to work through me and they're they're going to help me. But the more I educate myself, they're able to pull up that knowledge and that information for me and be like, okay, this is what you need to do now. This is what you need to do now. But I still think there's importance in going and putting yourself in front of people like Jennifer and going out to any other people that are um, certified, Mm -hmm. you know, in the certification program to teach it. But again, what I've found is like not one person's not, not only just like one person, but you can have a repeating client like I've seen this girl three times and each time mm-hmm. it blows my mind how different it is. And again, it like, I still, I assume the skeptic will eventually go away with more time and more trust, but you're always like, that. did that, did that happen? You know, like, mm, like, give me, give me some help on that. So like really surrendering to the faith and surrendering, like for me to the third eye, as soon as I close my eye, I see everything. I see the the energy coming out of the chakras, really heavy, really light. I can see, again, the things walking out of the walls. Um, and again, like, that's new for me to even speak on because if I went back to my family and told them that stuff was walking out of a wall, I mean, I'm pretty sure, again, they would just say they pray for me, which, again, I'll take the prayers. Thanks, fam. But coming into that practitioner feel, do you have tips and tricks for anybody that are – starting their journey of energy work like what how they should protect themselves based on your experience and just having the confidence to have faith moving forward as a vessel for the divine um you know protecting yourself i think for me it's been a journey again like you said like I was open to Reiki and didn't have a long, like I wasn't there every week and sharing every, I think we've shared on Sundays when I was doing it with Jennifer. Um, so I walked around forever just open. Um, and even now I, I think as I move forward, I'm learning more how to be more protective of my, myself. Um, and what's funny is I fe- still feel like I'm pretty resistant to my gifts because you're talking about I see this and I see that. And other people talk about I see this and I see that. And I'm like, I don't see anything. But as you were talking, I'm like, and when I've been in those, the last couple of meditations, why I'm in that meditation mode and I'm out of my body and I'm in my experience, um, I feel like I jump through people's timelines. I don't know the people, but I feel like I'm a, like in somebody's life and they're talking and they're saying things and exchange, like handing people potatoes and I'm kind of like, and I'm like, breathe. Because it's, like it's like you've gone into whatever thought or whatever. Like you don't, well, like breathe. You're supposed to be meditating and um but maybe that's just me now connecting with like learning to see other people and seeing things. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think at times when you're around a lot of strong practitioners and they're talking about how they see ISIS or they, the beings came down to them. I'm like, wow. And I think, 
think because of the skepticism and what, like you said, what are my parents going to say? I can't just walk up to them and say, oh, I just saw this. Um, they're not, that, that's where I protect myself. <laughs> I just don't let it happen. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I, I think I've been running from it actually for quite some time. Um, well, I think the I mean, left brain really do does it. come in like the logical side, right? It's just like, just so you know, that's not possible. And it's like, well, we have some work to do on our left hemisphere and our <laughs> okay, subconscious but... programming, you know, which I mean, like, um, there's people that I've worked with that, again, I think all Claire senses their muscles. They can just be flexed and work on if you choose to work on exactly. it. I don't think everybody should. We're all here for a different purpose, whether it's telling the line of the 3D world and doing whatever you want to do. And then there's people that are, are called to their work, right? Their energy work, the collective consciousness, well, think, raising the vibration, all that stuff. It goes back to faith too. <laughs> you know, it's just having faith that, you know, I have these gifts. Everybody has the gifts and we all have I to learn to, to trust in our gifts. Well, I mean, even like, okay, so we could like take it back to a Christian church, right? So when I lived in Kansas city, I went to this mega church for a while with this lovely couple that walked into a restaurant and, their energy was just so vibrant. It was definitely something I needed in my life at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember one day we were there and, you know, the music was good. And I was like, oh, I want to go play that piano and sing in that choir. And I miss singing. I miss piano. I miss all this stuff. And it mm-hmm. was like really inspiring. And um, I was having like a really hard couple weeks and they had a, a part where they're like, hey, like come down to the front if you like need people to pray for you and like, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to be here for you. We're going to do this. Right. So it's a really big, like faith practice. So I go down there. I do not like to be touched by strangers. If I want to hug you, you'll fucking know it. But other than that, like I give off the, "Mm, I'm okay vibes. Um, so I went down there and, um, I've like prayed since I was a kid. So that wasn't anything new to me. And I, I got in the middle of this circle of all these people and, um, they all started, singing praise and praying and then as my eyes were closed and I was praying which I still didn't want to surrender right because surrendering to me means I'm just gonna like cry brunch I'm like oh my god (laughs) I'm gonna cry and you're gonna see me cry and mm, I don't know if it's gonna stop right um so I start crying while I'm praying and the circle of people start putting their hands on my body on my back and it I I liked it for one, like I felt supremely comforted and all of their hands felt so healing and so kind and so compassionate and so full of like love and understanding. And Mm -hmm. I, like, I still talk about God's love to this day. I'm definitely not away from it just because I practice energy work. And, um, like I felt God's love through strangers that day. And when I started going into energy work and deciding like, are we all talking about the same thing? Are we just like interpreting it different? Because I've been to, this wasn't the first church where somebody had put their hand on my heart or on my back and like really touched me and just looked at me and was like, I see you, you know, me too type moments. And in Reiki, like that's Mm -hmm. a really, that's a really big thing. Like you can hover over somebody and sense where they need to be touched or Claire audience can tell you where they need to be touched or you can be sitting in a church or in a prayer circle and they're like, Hey, we're going to pray for you. Like, do you, do you mind like 
if I touch your shoulder, if I touch you back, if I hug you, like it was a very good, like consensual thing. Mm -hmm. But because I had those experiences, I felt really grounded in my faith when I started going into energy work and, um, one, wanting to protect myself from opening myself up to things I didn't understand, but also having my energy source infiltrated by negative attachments, which ultimately will like lower your vibration and all of that stuff too. So like you, I mean, there's a, there's a bounce between like fear and faith, fear and faith. Am I crazy? Is this mental illness? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Oh my gosh. Like, of course it's real (laughs) energies all around us. We're energetic beings. Like our body holds our soul, you know, consciousness comes from here, air quotes, all of that. But like, I've, I've had plenty of religious experiences that have actually validated my energy experiences down the road. Um, one that I would really love to do mm-hmm. is, uh, find a place of surrender where I actually started speaking tongues. Cause I've not only worked with practitioners that that is a part of their right. healing modalities, but I've had friends that have went to churches that specify and hand on person healing and moving the divine energy and the Holy spirit through my body to you and then the surrender. And then they're just like, dude, I I swear to God, I spoke tongues. I don't like, I don't have any scientific basis for this, but like I did it. And I wholeheartedly believe like, however, God source prime creator, Sophia, whatever you want to call it comes to you. We're still all vessels for the divine. But if you don't have faith, then yes, you can be easily infiltrated by other negative entities and experience. And I think that's where the fear mongering of possession and don't touch this and don't do that or da. But at the end of the day, like religion has backed up my energy work tenfold. And I I've seen Jesus and Mary in my um, meditations. I've sat with Jesus my whole life. That dude used to ride my passenger seat and tell me everything's going to be okay. When everybody else was like, you need Jesus. I'm like, I got him. Okay. Quit condemning me and judging me. He doesn't like that either. And then, um, Kwan Yin, like the violet flame, mother of compassion, fertility. Um, her masculine is Avalokiteshvara. So like they're two very good, um, like divine masculine, divine feminine counterparts that I love to work with. I remember the woods behind Psyche and Soul where we go do a lot of soul retrieval oh, yeah. back in the woods. Definitely. You know, like you you walk down there and you're awake. One of a couple of classes ago, we were getting ready to go do like a mother moon thing. And I always like, we're taught to like say thank you and honor nature. And before you walk through the tunnel to go into the woods, mm-hmm. that's really sacred. Um, the first night that I went in there, I started hearing Avalokiteshvara just chanting over and over, which was the divine masculine counterpart coming in. And that was the first time that I had heard his name mm-hmm. because I had only meditated with Kuan Yin. And I know for you and you're like, okay, like people talk to me about like seeing and working with these people, but like really if you like before I had my experiences, cause it's still like, I would say a couple years new to me before I had my experiences, I sat in those same classes and with those same people like you. And I was like, wow, how do I get that experience? You know, how do I, how do I open myself up to that? Um, and then, you know, through these practices, through faith, through belonging and raising your vibration, however you choose to, you'll have that experience. Right. And then, and then you're like, aha, now I get it now. Okay. Now, 
now it, it's resonated. It's went through me. I have the direct experience and like your faith kind of grows a little more is the best way that right. I can say about that. I also say though that, and I've said, other, I've heard other people say this before too. It's like, but do I really want to see those things? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, again, like the fear will shut it off. Right. So right. when I first woke up, I was seeing um, like dead people everywhere. And I had mm-hmm. seen dead dead people like my whole life, but obviously they're like, hey, ghosts don't exist. Like you didn't see that. And I was like, okay. Um, right. But I just kept seeing them everywhere. Like houses I would move into, schools I would go to. Like Quincy, Illinois is just like a huge haunted town. I used to read books about it too. And um, when I like woke up, I was fucking terrified because I was seeing dead people. And I went to my friend Connie at the New Age Center who had a similar experience where she was sitting in a hotel one time and she realized everybody around her was dead. And like this waiter that was talking to her, I'm pretty sure is how the story goes was like dead and like their mouths weren't moving, but then other people's mouths were moving and like their clothes were not of the time is the best way. And she looked around and just like immediately, like that mediumship had just opened on her without her even knowing. And um, she ran out of the hotel restaurant screaming I'm pretty sure is how the story goes. She's coming on later, so I'm sure she'll clarify any details for me. And so I went her to her immediately because I had seen her just to get readings from her to connect with some past loved ones and get some spirit mm-hmm. team advice. And I sat there and I would just be like, hey, I don't know if this is my imagination or like, what, what is this? Have you experienced this? Have you experienced this? And she was able to give me like scientific terminologies, definitions. She gave me, um, other people that have had Mm -hmm. similar experiences as me and how like they woke up to the things that they were seeing. And she was saying like, fear shuts all your senses down. Like not only does trauma suppress senses, but they also supremely suppress your spiritual senses and your connection with the divine. She's like, so if you fear seeing the apparitions of the dead people, it's going to go away. Like it's not, it's not, it's your third eye is going to shut. But my clear audience has always been on whether I realized it or not at the time. And when you kind of like when people say like, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior and you do not deny his name and he will be there for you and all of that fun biblical stuff it's the same thing with the clear senses. Like if you, if you really want to open your third eye, look into the practices, it's completely possible, but you're going to go down the biggest rabbit hole of your life. You're going to be peeling away illusions. And it's, it's basically like the mold divide of your life. Cause shit's going to be flipping around everywhere. You're going to see a lot of things that really want to push you back into your comfort zones. And my, my comfort zone was not seeing dead people. And now you know, I'll see I think an, this probably a lot of people. Yeah, I'll like I'll see an apparition, right? Like 4D stuff every once in a while. And I'm like, mm, let's just stick with the spirit guides and like Jesus and all of them. Like, right. you know, like I'm good with that and meditation and closing my eyes and seeing it in my third eye. Um, if my spirit guides want to come to be like physically manifested, got you. If like past loved ones want to come and hang out with me, I got you. But like you, like I can identify with those first moments where I'm just like, that's really cool that you hung out with all of those really awesome ascended masters yesterday. And, you know, you told me what they wore and what they said to you and the things that they sent to you. And it's, it's a muscle. You have to practice it. And it definitely comes down to intention and faith-based anything. 
you know, it's as you're talking about that, and I feel like a lot of it is fear. A lot of it is um, beliefs I've been taught, how we live, um, and still, like you said, on that fear and faith. Like I work in a place where that's mental illness. And I think for me, I'm probably still trying to heal that mental illness. Uh, one, because it like it runs in my family. Two, I've been hospitalized. So I think the fear of being hospitalized again by my family is like real. Um, I felt that way when I first woke up there too. I was like, do I just need to go to a mental institution? Is this what they call like a mental breakdown? Because I was still, I was, I'll go, I'll go believe the doctors. They know everything about spirit and science. Well, and I don't believe the doctors anymore because I believe they totally misdiagnosed me and they didn't know what was going on. Again, like you see, you like kind of the opposite but same as like you see a woman who's eating apples and nothing else and looks like thin and happy and you know because she's fitting in this same thing with uh, like when you're in the hospital like they're not listening to you they're taking what they want to hear and they're turning it into a diagnosis and then shoving shoving a medicine in your mouth and like go on it's like, wait, you guys didn't hear me. Um, so I, that's probably it as well as that there's some fear of being, and it's come up even in relationships, like, you know, you're crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I do definitely feel like I run those two paths. Well, not just with my spirituality, with my child, with my daughter. You oh, know? for sure. Which I do want to pull apart something that you just said, like, especially in relationships. I'm not single. I'm married. So my husband has been here from the moment that I had to come back to him and be like, I'm different. Something happened to me. This is what I think happened to me. Um, I'm going to do my own research. Mm -hmm. But he's, like, really seen the evolution of me, especially in the past four years. And um, what I've noticed in my research is um, the divine feminine – not only coming back full force and reclaiming her stake in the world, society, collective energy, um, but the masculine collective is going to be slower to wake up. They are also traumatized. They have a lot of, I mean, they're supremely left brain, right? Um, And since we all have like masculine and feminine in both of us, um, I don't really, I'm not just pertaining it to just like men and women. Like there's women that could also be considered divine masculine in this incarnation. But I've noticed just through my personal journey that, like, it's the job of the feminine to wake up first. Like, they probably are more spiritual anyways along the path. And the masculine just kind of has to follow, like, the egotistical, I need to go make money, I need to go support, I need to do all of this type stuff. So, especially in your circumstances, like, you're a feminine that's rising and waking up into embodying who she's supposed to be and more of the work that you're supposed to do outside out of the logical male (laughs) yeah and out of the logical male but you also know that your masculine side is preventing you that skepticism that subconscious programming 
And even how you said that that um, mental illness runs in your family, like anytime anybody says, oh, it runs in my family, that's you look into DNA, grab a the Gene Keys book and right. um, research generational trauma, because what right. I found is there's there's an influx of people here stomping out their generational trauma, but you don't know how to get rid of that until you actually educate yourself on it. So you don't get to just wipe it away, right? With just being like, oh, it runs in my family. There's nothing we can do about it. And I'm like, oh, actually you can, but it's a actually, lot of fucking work. Right. You know? Why did I choose to be the one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, well, you get to flex your like feminine warrior. You're like, rah, here I come, feminine rise. But like if I were single, right, especially with all the work that I do and I was looking for a counterpart to be with, um, I 100% would choose to be celibate and abstinent and literally not let anybody into that part of my life until I realized that they were a masculine elevated in the compatible form of evolution that I'm in. And so, go ahead, cut me off, do it. Tell me. Celibacy. So I, I say I'm mostly celibate. Because when my former partner left in 2018, Christmas of 2018, again, I said, that's it. I'm creating, you create your own life, so how am I creating this? What do I need to heal? And um, that year, him and I hooked up again, but I didn't figure that was a big deal because we've been together. But then, you know, that was kind of like, yeah, that's why, yeah, that's not it. (laughs) But I feel like, it's really difficult to be celibate at times because you, the, uh, uh, the, the starvation of touch and yeah, like, just the desire alone to want that human the desire connection. to be pleasured. You know, it's like oh, I be pleasured. Yeah. Um, but think about compatibility but, of energies, right? So, like, because I, right. I would definitely feel the same way, and I've had moments where I went to my husband and I'm like, "Don't touch me. It's not your fault." Something I'm going through. Found some shit in my root chakra. I don't need this right now. I actually need to go study. And I started studying um, uh, cosmic sexuality, linking up um, your energy centers on breath work, meditation, um, proper communication, like building, you know, like building the relationship with intimacy, not using sex as intimacy, but conversations, reading books together, exploring the world together, going on a walk, just like making sure I mean, that you can a bedtime enjoy. story. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, a bedtime just, story. Yeah, just like friendship type stuff. Right. But mm-hmm. I, the human connection and wanting to be pleasure and wanting to be touched, I had to really identify is this surface level desire that I'm doing? Like, because you shouldn't feel depleted after sex if you're doing it right. I mean, I know that it's tiring and a lot of kinky shit happens, but right. there's there's a way to just like so it shouldn't leave this it shouldn't leave like this part like from your throat down oh it shouldn't leave you feeling like energetically depleted like being sucked by you know by yeah, a vampire just, like. yeah just like everything's gone so when i started doing my research even i went back to my husband i was like we've been fucking wrong did you know this right. I, like i love you right but i just found out i've been having sex wrong my whole life and um that honestly took a little bit of convincing for him because he's like what are you talking about but i was just like listen like i've been studying like 
Tantra, Kama Sutra is definitely just like a sex guide, but mm-hmm. I've been studying all of these ancient energy practices where your physical bodies are actually the translators for your energy bodies. Exactly. And if we link up properly, we could do some shit, man. Like it doesn't have to be just like two people, you know, using our bodies to jerk each other off, so to speak. And I mean, I know that you could go into even like self-pleasuring and like masturbation and all that, which I mean, I have a couple sex coaches coming on the show that are talking about um, taking your power back through understanding your own body. I know there's a lot of people that have been taught wrong. I I don't want to say like wrong, but they don't really like the way that sex was introduced to them. And I'm one of those people where I was just like, I would just love to start all over and just really like wipe the slate clean and forgive myself for the things that I didn't know, take the new education that I've gotten and come back to my partner and be like, okay, so today we're going to learn how to make out. But before we're going to meditate and do breath work and look closely and intently into each other's eyes. You know, and again, like, my, my husband is on his own life journey. I, I hold a lot of space for him holding a lot of space for me because I think it would be hard for him with all the things that he has to do and all the things he's responsible for to come home and have someone that has the frequency that I vibrate on. Like we're not always compatible and we are very transparent Mm -hmm. with it. So we don't act out on each other incorrectly and I mean, just even a couple of days ago, like he, he came home from like a work event and he was really happy. And he's like, can you see that all I want is affection for me right now? And I said, can you see that I literally do not want to touch anybody, but the dogs and watch big bang theory and just zone out. I'm like, our frequencies aren't compatible. We don't need to beat each other up over this. I'm like, you want affection. I can't give it to you. I'm not going to give you false energy because I can't fucking fake shit now. So try again tomorrow. Love you so much. And he's just like, you know, and for someone who like, isn't doing the level of work that I'm doing. Cause again, he has his masculine role to play in our life. It's kind of confusing to him sometimes, but we don't, it's not like we take it out on each other. We have moments where like, we like, but I give him a lot of credit for dealing with the things that I've done because I don't think any husband just wants to be continuously cut off from their wife. And I'm like, it's not you, it's, it's not you, it's me. Like I, I'm, I'm healing, I'm doing things that I wish that I would have done before I met you, but I think that you are also a catalyst. Like you've provided me a safe space and a consistent home for years. And I've never had a safe and consistent enough place to do that. So I commend you for what you're doing. But again, babe, we've been having sex wrong. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> I mean, it was good. Yeah. Apparently, we can be better. And when we're done, we get to go, like, create or do something. So, I don't we know. Just, That's we kinda, like, we get to go here. travel the universe. Like, we can go travel through the stars. Dude, I am telling you, if you want to check out some mind-bending shit about just cosmic sex, right? Just linking up the chakra systems and cycling the energy between each other like there's a it's it's on instagram it's called learning cosmic sexuality they actually just made a movie that i still need to watch but you can just search through their posts and kind of read like their facts and how they teach and you can even take a course on it and um i'm laughing because i'm like 
that's going to make it even more difficult for me to date. <laughs> but that, well, that's what I'm getting to is you can spend your time. Like if you, if you're lonely and you desire that touch, like, yeah, filter, filter through the 8 billion people in this world. That's fine. Deplete your energy over and over. Like I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying like when you actually understand that celibacy is more about educating yourself better and finding that true compatible energetic counterpart, that's worth fucking waiting for. I don't, I don't want to plug again, speaking from a single perspective, I don't want to plug somebody's flash drive into my computer over and over and get a fucking virus. Like, especially right. when you understand like or how long your energy's in you. Bring the energy. Yeah. Like, please don't bring your energy toward me. Don't do that. Like, I know that I'm kind of like a qualified virgin now. That's super cool. I think that's also the satire of my life, but for anybody out there that is really fucking tired of just surface level sex and realizing that desire kind of is a lower frequency at the end of the day, like I highly recommend just like taking a break and educating yourself because for real, I was doing it wrong, man. I thought I was good, but apparently there's better out there and I'm willing, I'm willing to educate myself and go through the process again. I'm definitely not going to do like the church version of re-virginizing myself for seven years because no. I think my husband would leave me. But he has been super patient when I come up to him and I'm just like, no touchy touchy. I'll let you know. And he's just like, okay. Well, that's, I, I think it's good. I mean, I am lucky. I've been practically celibate since the beginning of 2019. I mean, I've made a few mistakes in there and... And I, yeah, it really does show you what you want. You look at your past relationships, how they went, how the sex was, and it was just like. Well, even how you felt afterwards. Yeah. Like when I retrospect and, and I, how I felt thought afterwards. about how I felt afterwards with like all the things that I'd already done, I was like, oh shit. Like talk about, talk about an indicator right there. Like how do you feel as a female, whether you climaxed or you didn't, like, how did you feel afterwards? Were they good at aftercare? Did they just pull away immediately? Was it just like, okay, well, I got what I want, so I'm done? Like, there's so many different things that I think that all of us are missing in before you have sex, foreplay, in the middle, getting up to where you want to go, climaxing, and then um, aftercare is something that I absolutely have to have. I'm not saying you have to cuddle me all through the night, but there are so many different practices that are necessary like if you want to if you want to touch me like get on my fucking level and again like it's been a learning process for both of us but I I don't back down on my boundaries anymore because if I do I'm the one that takes the hit for it I'm the one that has to go back to the mat I'm the one that has to pull out the journal and be like okay you know why did we why did we abandon ourselves for this person right why did we do this and it's all part of it that's why I don't feel like it's wrong it's wrong you know like I would, I would love to be a banshee that has sex like 10 times a day, but that's, that's not where I'm at in my journey. And I'm really proud of it because I, oh, believe me, I, I thought that I was doing a okay job. You are out there just, man, I'm looking at going, woman, you are getting it. And I love it. Oh my goodness. That energy is like, sexual energy yeah, is baby. healing energy right it's creative I'm energy like, yeah 
Yeah. Maybe. Like, at it's finest. If I'm horny, I'll go right about don't it. Have I don't it. care. I don't have it right now. Well, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing either. I'm just saying like, this is the first time I've discussed this. So I think it's kind of funny and I'm not going to cut it out. I've already told myself, I'm like, just, it's a safe space for everybody. Okay. So again, check out learning cosmic sexuality because who girl, you're about to learn some shit. But so, um, <laughs> you are in a part, uh, part of your journey where you're like, I wonder what's next, which I think everybody kind of feels like that mm-hmm. on a new year. Right. I know this is going to release after the new year, but still, um, I, Thought it would be fun to just pull a couple oracle cards for yeah. you. Um, so what I am going to do is um, just ask for one. I'm going to read you the paragraph, and then we're going to do a clarifier on it. They're like thick paragraphs, so I don't necessarily have to read the cards on this deck. They really do at work. It's called the Cosmic Slumber Tarot. So I got it as a gift. There it is. Last Christmas. And, um, yeah, I like... Just to do this live, right? Or live or whenever it airs. Um, I just want to see, like, how you're feeling about it. See if this can kind of help you and clear anything up. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe it pops up later. You know? I've been to a couple of tarot readers where I'm like, that's nice. And then, like, three weeks later, I'm like, oh, shit. She has much greater foresight than I did, right? So, um Definitely. I'm just going to go ahead and one to drop out right now for sure. If it drops any more out than one, though, I'm going to keep reshuffling because I definitely don't need more than one. So you moving forward into the new year for sure. Let's clear up some of this third eye fogginess, the skepticism that's in you. And definitely for like your energy work and your path, let's just see like where you're going. Again, I love this deck because, oh my gosh, the paragraphs are just wonderful. So you're really going to like this. Um, a card that popped out is the lover's. so but this isn't um based off the writer deck so that's why i just want to point that out really quick and it's going to take me a minute to find the page because i definitely do not have these memorized thank you for everybody listening for holding on to this because i too want to read this card to her and know where we're going with this reading as soon as i can find the arcana page that i need again this is the Cosmic slumber deck. It's the cliffhanger. Will she? Won't she? And then you're looking for it so fast that you went by it. Okay, cool. So it says the lover's card is here to tell you that there is a choice in front of you or perhaps within you. Do not be fooled in thinking that a choice is simply a road that diverges into two paths. Picture a winding staircase that goes on further than you can imagine, branching, dividing, rejoining with each ethical dilemma. Dwelling within the lovers, a guide can be found. It's the part of you that has both grown up and stayed young. Let that guide sit with you in these decisions. Do not make choices as your fearful self or your angry self. Look upon your moral dilemmas as the person you want to be, for that is how you will become them. Do you want to clarify? Moral dilemmas. Moral dilemmas. We're doing it. We're doing it. Let's see. Let's see what pops out moving forward into 2023. I identify with a lot of the places. I mean, I'm still in a lot of places that you are, but I also like, I just build tips and tricks for myself, right? I'm just like, hey, no, 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 no. We're busting out of this cycle. This is not 
We're doing big dick energy now, baby. Big dick. That's what that's what we're doing. Anaconda's over here. Anyways, let's get a clarifier for the lovers over here. Oh, that's perfect. The Magus. This should be easier to find because it's on the front of the Arcana. So this says... Uh, the Magus is there, uh, emerges when the dream has truly begun. In the ground around you lies the growing potential of your creative spirit. Tend to that garden with the tools of your craft and watch what may flourish. But be wary. Within the tangles of flowers and leaves lies mystery, trickery, and illusion. With the start of a new adventure, one must be careful to watch for a mirage. Not every splendid scene is made for you. Above you, branches grow downwards, handing you the aspects of yourself that will soon come into play. These grow directly from the sky itself. In your hands, you hold one object that is many, the pen, the candle, the brush, and the wand. Whatever expression of your will you require to create. Keep your eyes on your passions and don't look backwards. Focus on what drives you forward for everything you need is ahead. I hope that feels good to you. It felt good to me. I saw your face. The listeners can't see your face, but you're like, mm, mm, mm. I mean, you don't have to expand on anything because I know that they're super just, introspective. Oh, okay. What'd you say? Wait, you slowed down again. I said I didn't hear what you said because you slowed down again. Oh, it's okay. I just said you don't obviously have to get in super details of it, but I really hope that it helped you. Especially with, like, all the internal things that we have oh, going on. And then we get, like, validated through these tools. That's probably my favorite. And, again, like, I ask for one card. If more than one <laughs> card drops out, I reshuffle. If I need a clarifier, I drop a clarifier. If I don't need a clarifier. Again, I'm really connected to my clear audience, too. So I have a, a clear channel of how to use the cards. But this is one of my favorites because I don't necessarily have to, like, read the cards like the writer deck. The writer deck, I mean... Yeah, I studied that for a while and I'm still studying it. But this one's super good because the paragraphs are just very, very fitting no matter what they drop out as. I usually use this. I'll do like five deck spreads depending on if I need to. And this will be one of the last decks that I throw over everything is just like a confirmation. And you're really just supposed to take it into yourself. If your intuition says it's for you, it's for you. If it's not, it's not. And I think that's one of the things that I like to point out about tarot, especially if I'm about to read somebody. I'm just like, have you had a reading before? Do you yeah. like, do you believe like the Hollywood of it? Like, I can't give you winning lottery numbers, but I can tell right now that you're worried about this, this and this based on the cards that just dropped. Would you like to, you know, give me access to your energy so we can explore this more, you know? And again, I want to be a safe space, but I also feel like the cards protect me because like, like they put a barrier between you and that person. If you're just sitting there talking to them, they're like, how the hell do you know all this? I'm like, I don't, it's a channel. It's running through me. And I've just, I have faith and I've accepted my gifts and now I'm working on them. But, um, this is the first time that I was actually called to do a reading on someone that came on the show. The last time I got a reading on the show for me and it was supremely validating, but, um, I really do hope it helps. And I really do appreciate you coming on the show today to, wind through both of our stories and our skepticisms and the trials and tribulations of even just every everyday life you've definitely you've definitely packed a lot into your contract this life but um 
You, yes, you are a vibrant being. I still remember you bouncing up to me the day I met you. And I mean, I don't pick up and spin strangers around and tell them how much I love them. But if you were open to that, <laughs> I would have done it to you that day. Cause you were truly, truly a vibrant person. So whatever you're struggling with, um, it will pass, you know, the mountain can't get any bigger is what my mom always told me. So <laughs> you can, the mountain can't, right? So, um, right. is there anything you want to say to our audience before we introduce the music? I just say, follow your own path and never, ever give up, <laughs> ever. Yeah, definitely. Well, nah, I always say this is my favorite part, and I mean, the guest is my favorite part, but we all know how I feel about music, so. Oh my goodness. Right? Vitality Exposed is going to bring us a concert clip from a Kaleo show I went to at Arvis Bank Midland Theater in Kansas City. I wish I remember when I went, but this beautiful clip from Kaleo, their band from Iceland, I was fortunate enough to see. My best friend bought me tickets for the show. Um, It's called I Can't Go On Without You, and I'm telling you, this guy's voice, whew. Hold on, girl. Hold on. All right. All right. I'm ready. This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting. Uh-huh. 